This is Brojo Online. Masculinity, confidence, and integrity with Dan Munro. Alrighty. So it's time for us to have a deep and meaningful discussion, I think, about the black dog, depression. Um, before we even get into this, I want to make a disclaimer. I am not a qualified psychologist or psychiatrist or neuroscientist. Okay, I'm a coach. I got a degree in psychology, but that's worthless. So before we even get into this, understand I am not a professional practitioner in the psychology sphere. I am a self-appointed coach. So everything I say, whether it's this podcast or any other, should always be taken with a grain of salt. And is more opinion than fact. With that in mind, I am very sure of my opinions, as we all are. And today I'm going to be talking about depression in a way that goes counterintuitive to most forms of psychology out there. It's very similar to what you'll see in ACT, Acceptance and Commitment Therapy. I have very similar viewpoints to what's described in there. They're not entirely the same. Uh, but basically, right from the beginning, I'm, gonna, I'm going to lay it out there. I am not agreeing with the concept that depression is bad and that it is a problem that needs to be fixed. I do not agree with that. Absolutely do not. And this whole podcast essentially is designed to people who suffer from depression and trying to fix that has not worked. For those of you who have already engaged in therapy, medication, Vipassana retreats, mindfulness, and it's still not really helping with your suffering around depression. You're the people I'm talking to. And I'm also talking to the people who have never been diagnosed, they're like myself. They don't really know if they've got depression or not, but they do seem to get the blues, they might call it. They get these moods. People where you just lose motivation and energy for weeks or even months at a time. You struggle just to function. It's an effort just to get out of bed in the morning, and you've never gone to a doctor about it or seen any real help about it, but this is a recurring theme in your life, this this thing that just seems to knock you off and keep you down. So as a bit of a teaser, I want to point out there, for the last three days before this podcast, I was depressed. And I'm not saying that with any sense of shame. I'm not saying that with any sense of victimhood, like something bad happened to me. Quite the opposite. What you'll hear about in this podcast is how it helped me to be depressed. And that the idea of fixing depression is now completely absent from my mind. I have no motivation whatsoever to prevent myself having depression now or in the future because of how differently I see depression now compared to how I used to see it. And because of just how practical it is to let go of fighting against it. So the reason I'm doing this podcast is partly because of my experience, but also because of I've had a theme with my clients recently. I've had a few clients come to me who are kind of knocked off the horse by depression. And I could see clearly that the way they handled their depression was where their suffering came from. And it was a theme. They were all doing the same things and all suffering for the same reasons. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about a new way of looking at depression, of handling it, managing it. I don't even want to use the word treating because that implies that it's a disease or an illness. We're going to be talking about depression today as something that's normal rather than something that's wrong with you. 
We're going to be talking about it like it's a normal, natural human experience, which, fucking newsflash, it is. You find me someone who's never experienced depression, and I'll show you a psychopath. Because they're about the only people who cannot experience this emotion, and the only ones who will not regularly see recurrences of it throughout their lives. Now, the scale as to how much people suffer from depression, that does vary significantly. But I'm here to tell you it's not because of depression. What I really want to focus on today is we're going to separate the difference between depression as an emotional state and depression as a disorder in, in the way that you react to depression. Because that first seed I want to plant with you here is that the suffering you experience in relation to depression is not depression, it's your fight against it. Just like panic is your fight against anxiety and rage is your fight against anger. Your emotion itself is relatively painless, almost pain-free. It's the response to the emotion, the one that happens so quickly it seems to be the emotion itself. That's the thing that hurts, and that's the thing we'll be talking about today. So I want, to really, I want you to really open your mind today, while remaining skeptical, to the idea that maybe the very concept of depression being wrong or bad or an illness is in fact the cause of the problem in the first place. That if you saw depression as something other than a problem that needs to be fixed. In fact, if you saw it as a welcoming emotional state, something that you need regularly to experience, the, the whole world of depression changes for you. And this applies, I'll be talking about depression today, but this applies to any emotional state that you struggle with. Common ones being anxiety, anger, boredom, confusion. These emotions in themselves are very helpful, very necessary, and absolutely guaranteed to happen for the rest of your fucking life. It's your reaction to them that sucks. It's the way you treat them, not the way they treat you. These emotions are not happening to you, they're happening within you. They're yours. And so any struggle with them is yours. You choose to struggle. You might not do so consciously. And it wasn't your original idea. When you're a small child and you experience bouts of depression, you probably didn't fight against it. But you do now. And that's why it hurts. And that's what we're going to be talking about. So essentially, let's talk about what depression is. Talk about what it is for me and then what I've uh, kind of seen it as in other people. For me, depression is simply a feeling that we've pathologized. Okay? It's a feeling that we've turned into an illness. And it used to be acceptable, I think. From what I've been able to see in the history books, uh, it seems like if you take a great artist like Van Gogh, a deeply troubled man, excellent artist, Mozart, a deeply troubled person, excellent music, and many of the great thinkers, you know, Marcus Aurelius, a Stoic, if you really read between the lines... When you read his meditations book, you see someone who's constantly struggling to follow his own principles. You see the depression in his words. There's times where he's just been battered down by life and he's trying to talk himself out of it. Many of the greatest leaders in the world show clear signs of depression. As I was watching The Sopranos a while back, and they were talking about leaders because uh, Tony Soprano had been having a bad mood lately. He was having depression. 
and his consigliere, his, his second in command, was trying to explain to people. He said, "Look, a lot of a lot of the great leaders have their dark times. I mean, look at Winston Churchill. He was a moody fuck." And I think that's the best way of putting it. You know, some of the greatest leaders, they just have these dark moments. Winston Churchill didn't get out of bed till like 11 in the morning and drank like a bottle of whiskey every day. He obviously had his fucking problems. And yet, what a man. What an excellent man. So the idea that depression somehow held him back is ludicrous. He, he achieved the height of human performance. What's much more likely is that depression aided him in his great leadership. It caused him the deep reflective moments that led to his wisdom. And this is what I want to talk about today is that you've been trying to treat one of your most helpful emotions like it's an illness. And because of that, you're not benefiting from it. And because you've always done that, you've never benefited from it. And that continues the story that it's somehow bad for you. It's like people who have never benefited from anger. They've always bottled it up and then had massive tantrums. And that's all they know of anger, either bottled or tantrum. So they've never actually been able to use it for passion. They've never been able to use it for assertiveness. They've never seen how fucking helpful anger is. If you know how to use it. If you embrace it, accept it, manage it, rather than treat it or control it. What we also see is that, you know, depression, what is depression? It's like emotional apathy. It's the off switch for when you've been under too much stress and pressure. That's what it's for. It is a, uh, what do you call this? A circuit breaker. I see this so commonly in my clients. What happens before depression is lots of anxiety and stress and pressure. And then one day they just, boom. Suddenly they stop giving a fuck about anything. It makes perfect sense. You're overloaded. The engine's about to fucking burn out. You're running low on gas. What does a smart computer do? It turns itself off. It allows time for everything that allows time for the engine to cool down. The only way your brain can survive all that pressure is by occasionally turning itself off to get the stress levels back to zero. There's very low stress levels in depression. Have you noticed that? And have you noticed how stressed you were before it? You think that pattern's random? You think that's a coincidence? Or is it quite clear that you are inviting your depression like you would call the police if an intruder came into your home. Your depression, no, actually closer, would be calling the fire service. Your house is on fire, you need some water to put it out. Now, after your house has been put out, everything inside it's ruined, right? Well, guess what? You started the fire. You can't blame the firefighters for wrecking your house. And that's the same thing with depression. You blame depression for feeling like your whole life is ruined. You call depression with your behavior, with your stress. Depression is designed to rescue you from going too much, going too hard, worrying too much, caring about too many things that don't matter. What we commonly call depression is actually our reaction to it. The initial off switch, very helpful. The part where we go, oh no, now something's wrong with me. Oh no, I'm having suicidal thoughts. Oh no, I don't feel motivated to get out of bed. Oh no, I don't care about my friends anymore. I'm sick. There's something wrong with me. I better get to the doctor. I better get medicated for this. That's the struggle. The depression is just sitting there going, Fuck the fuck did I do? I came here to help. And you're attacking it like an enemy. 
We're going to talk about how that process works today. And there's a thing I call reverse entitlement. I got this idea from uh, Mark Manson's book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Notice how different you are and how you treat yourself to how you treat others when depression's around. When your best friend has depression, you don't put any pressure on them, you don't criticize them, you don't give them any shit. You're caring, you're sympathetic, you're patient, you're helpful. And yet when you have depression, how do you treat yourself? Pressure, criticism, hate, busyness, unhelpful behavior, instant gratification. None of the stuff that you do with your best friend. So this is what I call reverse entitlement. You, you believe you're entitled to worse treatment than others. Think how bizarre that is. Everybody else gets better treatment from you than you do. And that includes when they're experiencing emotions that you struggle with. Now that's not always the case. Some people do treat others badly too. And you need to be listening as well, because this isn't just for people who are nice to others. There are plenty of people when they see someone else with depression, they're like, come on, just cheer up. And they're the same ones, they'll treat themselves that same way. But there are a few out there, many of my clients like this, they're nicer to others who have depression than they are to themselves, as if somehow they deserve a rougher treatment. Why they believe this, beyond me, but I know I used to do it too. I used to be very caring and sympathetic and lovely to people who were struggling, and then when I struggled, I became my own worst enemy. You useless bastard, you lazy loser, get the fuck out of bed, do some shit. Stop whinging, stop complaining, stop being sad. I'd never say any of that stuff to my friends. But I'd say it to myself, like it was nothing. Dr. Russ Harris, he's a GP who practices ACT, he's one of my great role models. He does a video, you can find it on YouTube, about the struggle switch. Which is you have the initial emotion and then you have other, other emotions in reaction to that initial emotion. So you have depression, and then you have anger about being depressed, and then you have fear about being angry about being depressed, and then you have guilt about being afraid of your anger from your depression. This is the struggle, where we compound painful emotions on top of each other and become overwhelmed by them. You know, I see this as probably, and this is more opinion than fact, but this is probably one of the leading causes of suicide. Someone gets the initial suicidal thoughts that you get during depression, totally normal thoughts. Your brain's just trying to escape, and that's how it paints a picture, the ultimate escape. The ultimate escape from stress and pressure and suffering. And then you become so pathological about this, these thoughts, like, oh no, I shouldn't be having them, it's so bad to have them, what's wrong with me? What a loser I am for having these thoughts, that eventually you start to confirm the thoughts as real, rather than just going, oh, my brain's stressed. It's picturing me killing myself because me killing myself is like the ultimate expression of stress-free. That's all. It doesn't actually want me to kill myself. The brain's actually wired the opposite direction. But I worry about those thoughts. It won't be long before I make them real. If I just go, it's a normal thought to have. That's about where it stays. Depression, the way it went for me over the last three days is a lot different to how it used to go in the future. Uh, in, in the future. In the past. So... In the past, depression for me would last weeks, possibly even months. I'd so I'd be so suppressed about it, and I'd fight against it. So some people go and hide under the covers when they're depressed. I wasn't one of those people. I was someone who puts on a big fucking fake smile, and binges on sugar and drugs and alcohol, and just, like somebody crawling over broken glass, I drag myself through depression, 
in a way that nobody else can even see it happening. That was the old me. And because of this, it went for a very long time. I could even, I mean, there may have been entire years where I was depressed. I know I was pretty down when uh, I went through a, a stage in my early 20s where I didn't have sex for like three and a half years, simply because I was just so terrible with women. And I was, I, it's quite possible I was depressed that entire time. I know it was very important for me, sex. And this problem seemed to escalate in my mind. So, for a lot of people, you know, I think that depression is like that. It, it starts off as a little reaction to something genuinely upsetting in life. A kind of off switch because you've been stressing too much. And then as you beat yourself up over it, it just goes on and on and on and on. And I'm, and you know, in this, in this podcast, I'm going to talk about the difference between how I used to do that and how my latest bout of depression only lasted three days. And was a very helpful experience. So why am I talking about this? Well, like I said, I think the way that most people treat their depression is what causes their suffering in the very first place. The reason that depression hurts you is not because of depression, even though it's been getting all the blame and all the criticism, despite the fact that you're the one who asked for it by being stressed out all the time. It's, yeah, the way you treat yourself during your depression, as if there's something wrong with you, and your attempt to fix the problem, that's what's actually causing your suffering. It's, it's interesting, like I said before, we can easily recognize that some of the greatest leaders and creative minds were clearly uh, regular experiences of depression. The people who had it oftenly. And yet we stigmatize it rather than recognize it. I mean, it's so clear that depression is a natural reaction to intelligence. There's plenty of data to back that up, and just good-fashioned common sense. You can see that the smarter someone is, the more moody that they get, you know. I used to be jealous of simple people because they just seemed to get over things quickly and they weren't bothered. And, I, and then I've seen clear, um, clear studies that link higher IQ to higher rates of depression. You can see it in the, in the most creative minds. I've been watching a show lately on Netflix about great chefs. I'm not into cooking, but I like people who are awesome at stuff. And these great chefs, they're the top, you know, three Michelin star type guys. And they're moody as fuck. You know, their emotions are wild. They have entire months where they won't come out of their room. You know, and this, this represents many great artists. Think of all your favorite rock stars from the 70s and 80s. Not so much the, the pop stuff today, but the greatest rock stars. Jesus Christ, they were just, they were nightmarish. Their moods would go all over the place. No wonder so many of them killed themselves by the age of 27. Depression is obviously highly, highly, highly correlated with some of our most admired traits. Creativity, expression, leadership, intelligence. And yet we treat it like it's not welcome. It's like a car engine making a noise. You know, the more powerful the engine, the greater the noise. And yet we'd say the noise is a problem. What we can also see is that the more sort of creative and intelligent you are, generally speaking, the more you're going to need a relief from pressure and anxiety because you're going to be more of an overthinker. You're going to be someone whose brain just torments them with possibilities all day long. I used to work with schizophrenics. And I remember one guy describing schizophrenia to me as being uh, it's like having a thousand good ideas at once, but the inability to act on any of them. 
just this overwhelm of sensation with complete powerlessness. I mean, schizophrenia is just its just creativity to the extreme level. We can't turn it off, funnel it, or filter it. So depression is quite clearly needed for this type of mind. You need an off switch for an engine that burns hard. You know, you think of like a, a supercomputer. You know, they need a reset if you don't have fans cooling them down. Now, what I want to talk about, my three days of depression is more like a fan now, cooling me down, rather than a complete fuse break, where the system shuts down to just basic survival function because I've just been burning it out. Your depression is not a problem, it is your fucking cure. You're trying to cure yourself of your cure. Your problem is the behavior that led up to the depression and the behavior that follows it. Your precursor to depression and your reaction to it. That's where your pain is coming from. That's where your suffering is coming from. So my past reactions to depression is what really caused what we call depression. Long bouts of, of apathy, of helplessness, powerlessness, sadness. You know, that's what we call depression, but that is actually our struggle against depression. And depression has been getting a bad rap for that struggle, even though it didn't cause it. We've also got this underlying belief that pain is bad. And this belief plays hugely into how we treat depression, anxiety, anger, other painful emotions. We think if it hurts, it must be wrong, so it needs to be fixed. That's a very harmful belief to have and a very fucking inaccurate one. Show me a single human who's lived past the age of one week who hasn't experienced pain. Actually, as soon as I say that, the most painful thing is getting born. So... Show me a single human ever who's had a pain-free life. Find me one. I bet you can't. Does that not cause you to think a little more about the belief that pain is bad? Maybe pain is where our real joy comes from. The, The idea that pain's bad is easily disproved by two things. Exercise and laughter. They're two things that almost anyone who's involved with can agree that pain is good. When you're exercising, you don't stop when as soon as it feels uncomfortable. You go until it hurts. That's what exercising is. If it's not that, then you're not exercising. You're just moving around comfortably. We enjoy the pain we feel at the gym or the pain we feel when we go for a run or rock climbing. The run is high as the adrenaline burst you get after suffering from pain. And laughter is a pain reaction. We get it from shock and surprise. These are painful emotions. And sometimes we actually laugh so much that it hurts physically to do so. I mean, some of my best laughs scared the shit out of me. I thought I was going to die. I remember once, God, what was it? It won't be funny to any of you. It was one of those stupid in-jokes. But I was stoned at the time, and my best mate made a joke when I was in the living room. And I laughed so hard that I felt like nails were going into my temples. I couldn't close my jaw. It was just the hardest laugh I'd ever done. And I actually started to white out. Like, I I started to lose my vision. I was laughing so hard. It was a terrifying experience. But what a great laugh it was. I fucking thoroughly enjoyed it. We know that pain is not always bad. And yet we apply the idea that pain is bad to our emotions. So every time we have a painful emotion, we try to treat it like it's a problem. It's our belief that's a problem. The emotions are just fine. They're doing exactly what they're supposed to do. One of the things I've been talking about with my clients is to think of your emotions like children. Your children. 
And the way you treat them is like the way you treat a child. So if you think of how you treat your depression as an emotion compared to how you treat happiness or calmness, think of the difference. Think of that as if they were different children. The happiness child getting all the best stuff at Christmas. Their drawings get put up on the fridge. They get dressed and taken to school like they're the king or the queen of the household. Everybody listens to them. They're allowed to play as long as they want. No bedtimes. That's happiness, isn't it? That's how you treat happiness. It gets anything it wants. It's treated like the most welcome guest in your house. How's that compared to how you treat the depression child? Well, for most of my clients, the comparison is like the depression child is locked up in its room without anything to eat. And every time it talks, you shout at it and criticize it and abuse it. How do you think that child's going to grow up? A healthy, functioning member of the family? Or a fucking nightmare? The way your depression behaves these days is a direct reaction to how you've treated it. It's a child acting out. What happens to a child when you ignore it? Well, it screams louder, doesn't it? When you abuse it or neglect it? Well, it bites back. What happens when you try to talk over a child who's having a tantrum? They scream. They lose their mind, don't they? And that's what you've been doing with your depression. Because depression doesn't feel welcome in your house, it throws a tantrum. It screams and tries to get your attention. And the whole time it's been trying to help you, so it really feels abused by you. It's like you call the fire department, and when they start putting out the fire, you start punching them in the face. It's so confusing for them. They're like, you call me. Well, that's what you did with your depression. You called it by stressing yourself out, by overthinking, by not managing your schedule, by not standing up for yourself, by not living by your values, by indulging in instant gratification instead of long-term rewards. Your depression, you dialed that number yourself, and then you punch it in the face when it shows up. Not the best behavior, right? But I get it, because I used to do that too. And it's the changes I made that helped me. So let's cut to the chase. How do we treat depression differently? Well, first and foremost, you have to change your belief system about it. Or at least act as if your belief system's changed. There is no part of reacting to depression that can include trying to fix it, trying to speed it up, trying to reduce the size of it. Those are all counterproductive reactions. You treat depression like a problem, it becomes a problem. It's self-fulfilling prophecy. You neglect a child, it becomes a problem child. When your depression shows up, it must be both recognized and respected. It has to be welcomed into the house, like happiness is. I imagine my emotions are all inside my head, and they watch me, and they watch how I treat each of them. I watch the bitterness happen. As my anger and depression sit next to each other and go, fuck, there's happiness getting the limelight again. Every time he's happy, oh, it's a big deal, but when I come out, it's a fucking nightmare. I can see my emotions talking to each other like that, and that's why they often come in as a package deal. I often get anxiety, depression, and anger all together at once, because they're rebelling. I've called them out, and they've come and said, well, fuck you. If this is the way we're treated, then we'll behave this way. I can kind of see that process happening in me, and how could I hold that against them? If I was treated poorly, if I was the, the shit kid compared to the you know favoured child, I'd lash out too. You'd see me getting bad grades at school. You'd see me getting into fights and taking drugs. 
you have to treat your depression as the same status as happiness. They need to be seen as equals. Now, you don't have to outright believe it right away, but you need to act as if. You need to behave according to that principle. I guarantee it's the one thing you've never tried, isn't it? You've never tried it before. Everything else you've done about your depression hasn't worked, and yet it all had one thing in common. It was trying to fix the depression, end it, avoid it, detach from it. Even when you go and do mindfulness meditation, most people do it with the intention of detaching from their depression, rather than swimming in it, embracing it, allowing it to exist. You don't see people trying to detach from their happiness, or trying to fix it. So I want to put it to you that what I'm about to describe is something you've never tried before. Because the intention is different. You are not trying to get rid of your depression. You're trying to learn from it, embrace it, accept it, and welcome it for as long as it wants to stay. So this is one of the things, as soon as you notice whatever your onset symptoms are, and I don't even want to call them symptoms, because it's not a disease, welcome it. Say, well, you're back. I must have called you. I don't remember calling you, but I obviously did. I must have drunk dialed you. You're here now. You've got lessons to teach me. I've gone and followed a pattern behavior that brings you up again, haven't I? got a lesson to learn here, don't I? Well, welcome. Come into my house. Teach me that lesson. This is genuinely how I view depression now, and this is how I reacted on the weekend. I noticed my depression onset um, Friday night. We went social dancing, and I just got really bummed out, and I didn't want to participate, and I felt like I was forced to be there, something I usually kind of love doing. And that's when I went, ah, it's here. Black dog. I am having depression right now. That's what this is. I know this. When I can't enjoy something I usually enjoy, when I just want to have self-pity all the time, and when too many people around me feels like I'm drowning. Yeah, yeah, I know this. This is depression. Well, welcome. I guess I don't want, you know, to be fair, I don't want you to come now, but you're here now. And uh, welcome. Come on in. And so I left the uh, dance party early, you know. It wasn't that simple. I fought with it a bit. I'm not all the way there yet. But rather than fighting with it for weeks or months, I fought with it for a few minutes before I went, okay, sorry, my bad. You're welcome here. That was totally rude of me. Come on in. And then I ask it to explain why it's here. It's here for a reason. I called it. I just don't remember dialing. I don't remember the drunken texts I sent at 3 a.m. in the morning. I'm stressed. Come and help me. I want it to tell me about what I've done. And I'll get out a pen and paper, or I'll talk to my girlfriend, I'll do some sort of reflective thing where I go, what's led you to come here? Why did I need a system shut down? Teach me. What behaviors were I do- was I doing that invited you to come here? What, you know, what system have I been running too hard and too long? And what behaviors am I doing that's, that's, that's built up to this? You know, what, what are my problem behaviors? And one of the things I noticed is that I could see a pattern of instant gratification. Looking at pretty ladies on the internet, eating lots of sugar, drinking, and especially scrolling through Facebook and looking at my phone. I saw a lot of that in the last couple of weeks. Big surprise, right? Lots of instant gratification, lots of dopamine binging, and then I crash. Why would I be surprised that depression would show up after a consistent pattern of behavior like that? 
What else did I see? I also saw avoidance of the stuff I need to be doing. I saw avoidance of joining that new jiu-jitsu class that I'm scared to join. I saw avoidance of practicing my check with strangers so I can learn better. Ah, so depression's here to tell me I've been dropping the ball on my values too. Thank you, depression. I appreciate that fucking understanding. Time for me to step up my game. So I listed everything that I'd been doing that allowed the depression to come, that, that invited it to come. I've asked for a system shutdown, and I must wait patiently for the system to reboot. I can't rush that process. I have to enjoy the shutdown. So my first step, once I've looked at all my behaviors, is to now come back to the depression and go, okay, well, you're here to do a job, which is to shut me down until I'm ready to go again. Now, as much as I feel ready to go again, because you're still here, obviously I'm not. So I must engage in behaviors that depression flourishes in. Behaviours like going for a walk, reading a nice book, doing nothing, uh, relaxing with my girlfriend. We went to a spa for my birthday. That was kind of where I noticed the depression finally leave. All these things that say, okay, I'm going to take care of myself because I haven't been for a while. And so I did. Now, it's not the same as hiding under the bed covers, binging on drugs and alcohol, and all the other unhelpful reactions that many people take in reaction to depression. They say, I can't get out of bed. Well, you can, actually. You totally can. You obeying the voice in your head that says you can't get out of bed. That's what stops you getting out of bed. But all you have to do is swing your legs over the side of the bed and stand up. It's the easiest thing in the world, and there is no amount of depression that can stop you doing it. It's never been trying to stop you doing it. Quite the opposite. It's just trying to shut you down from all the pressure shit. The reason you don't want to get out of bed is because you know deep down that won't end your depression. Well, if you don't have to end your depression, then getting out of bed's easy. Treat yourself like you would treat a best friend with depression. Unless you're one of those people who tries to fix your friends. Do it without trying to fix it. Actions that allow it to do its job, rather than devoid or detach or rush it through. If you're going to meditate, meditate into the depression, not away from it. Don't try to convince yourself that you're somehow separate from your depression. You are, but that's not actually helpful. You wouldn't do that with happiness. Go into it. Explore it. Try and squeeze every bit of knowledge out of it that you can. Ask yourself, why am I depressed? What have I done that's led to this? What is my depression trying to teach me? Why did I need a system shutdown? How have I been overloading myself? You'll find common things. You'll find the instant gratification. The shitty, like, short-term reward behavior that just brings on, like unbalanced chemicals. You'll find the refusal to stand up for yourself and ask for what you want over a period of time. you find the pattern of backing down to other people's desires instead of putting yourself first. You'll find the big pattern of dishonesty. You'll find that you're lying to yourself and to others for a consistent period of time. You'll see this leading up to the depression. You'll see anxiety often before depression. You're worrying about things you can't control and trying to control things that are outside of your realm of power. You'll see a lot of that before depression. That's one of the things my depression always teaches me. It's like you've wandered your focus. It's gone from what you can control to what you can't for a long time. And that's why I'm shutting the system down. It's reset. Focus on what you can control. You can get out of bed. You can make yourself some breakfast. You can be honest with your girlfriend about your depression. No, you can't control her reaction. No, you can't control the amount of money in your bank. No, you can't control the fucking weather. That's what, re that's what uh, depression teaches me. 
Stay depressed as long as you need to. No rush. It's here to teach you. It's giving you a welcome break. It's like a holiday and you have to wait for work to call you to come back in. So wait for the call. You'll know it when it happens. You'll feel the lightness. You will not feel it if you're still fighting it. Remember, all the reactions I'm talking about have nothing to do with trying to fix depression. Depression is not your problem. It's your problems that gave you depression. And your problems are your behavior. And as a last note, there's certain things to avoid when you're feeling depressed. Avoid avoidance of others. <laughs> Depression is quite an antisocial mood, and, and for, for some people it's absolutely right. Like, I'm not going to go social dancing while I'm depressed. It's just too much overwhelming. But try to hide away from all other people, especially in what you say. Whether you physically hide away from them, but also if you won't tell them what's going on with you and you pretend to be happy and stuff, that's avoidance. So avoid doing that. You might have to force yourself a little bit, but just let people into your life. You can tell them to leave when it's too much. But let them in. Let them listen to you. And also, be confrontational. If they start telling you how to fix it, say, no, 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 no I'm not trying to fix it. I need this. Back off. It's very important that you manage how other people help you during this time, but you do let them help you. Let them help you with the practical things. Rather than trying to help get rid of your depression, let them help you with making some food. You know, let them help you with doing some chores around the house. Let them help you by dragging your ass out for a coffee or a walk. That help they can provide. Give them, you know, put like a dog on the scent. Point them towards what will help you so that they stop trying to fix you and move on to feeling useful instead. Avoid instant gratification. Scrolling through Facebook, mindlessly binging on Netflix, alcohol and drugs, including medication, and this is where it's really more opinion than fact. There are some people who are so lost in their struggle with depression that they do need some Prozac to get out of it. But understand, if you are going to take medication, don't take it with the aim of ending your depression. Take it with the aim of ending your struggle against depression. So that you can just get back to depression. Right? Anything that distracts you from real life, anything that takes you away from um, the depression, anything that's trying to make you feel good so you don't feel bad anymore, that's all instant gratification shit. Cut that shit down. That's the shit that got you here in the first place. Self-pity parties. I know it hurts to be depressed, but you're not entitled. Everyone fucking experiences it. You're not a special snowflake. And no, your life is not unfair. It's really not. The way you treat yourself is unfair. That's the unfair part. So when you're sitting around going, oh, poor me, I'm depressed because my life's so hard. Rewrite that story. I'm depressed because I treat myself like shit. And that was my choice, and I can choose to do otherwise. There is nobody out there who suffers from depression whilst also treating themselves with kindness and compassion at all times. No one. They still have depression. You're going to have bad things happen to you in life. Fucking newsflash, there's no end to that. Your depression will sometimes have to come in because you're just like, Jesus Christ, you've been dealt a tough hand, you know. You need a break. Great, take a break. You didn't notice it was happening? Build up happened? Good, take a break. But at no point in time have you been unfairly treated by anyone other than yourself. And if someone else has been treating you badly, it's because you fucking let it happen. It's because you stayed in that job, or you stayed in that relationship, or you stayed in that conversation. So you treat yourself badly by staying there. Take responsibility for the reason you're depressed. You invited it. You brought it on. You called it to your house, so welcome it in. It's not fair to invite someone to your house and then say, now you can't come in. 
That's some bullshit there. And most of all, avoid dishonesty. The most likely reason that you are depressed is because you've been lying to yourself and to others about how you feel and how you treat yourself. You know, when I was depressed, the first thing I noticed is I told my girlfriend, like, ah, oh, something, something's going on with me, I don't know what it is. That was the most I had at that stage. Then later on, I was like, you know what, I know this, I think this is depression, it's back. I didn't want to admit it to her, I don't like to look weak and so on, all that bullshit ego stuff. But I just got it out there. As soon as I did, I'm like, oh, I can already feel myself on the path. This is going to go alright. So those are my thoughts, my very opinionated thoughts on depression. I spent my whole life trying to fix it, and as soon as I stopped trying to fix it and treated it as a friend, it started having a beneficial influence on my life. I now welcome it when it comes. It hurts. It's kind of like a smelly house guest. You don't really want it to be there. But just like you don't want to have to call the fire department when you've burned down your house, sometimes you've got to do what's right. Hopefully that helps you all, and I'll see you all next time.